<laughs> we are definitely blessed, amen. What a beautiful song, Allie and Leetrick, just, just wonderful, wonderful. Well, today we get into our uh, series, uh, a new series called Can I Get a Witness? But I don't know if you noticed on the patio, we already have uh, someone ready for Halloween out there. You might have met Noah. And, uh, and you'll meet Noah again uh, in the next service as well. Um, but it's just a chance for you to see how simple, how fun it is to, uh, to decorate and be a part of that. We are looking forward to having many people connect uh, and helping us stay connected and reach this community for Christ. Uh, I will make a, a, a first a confession and say thank you all so much for your love and your grace to Lorena and I. We greatly appreciate it. But the first thing I saw were these white boards, and I'm like, who put white boards on the stage? I was really like, come on, man. I leave one week, and they put white boards on the stage. I'm like, they make them in black. Come on. But... <laughs> Now, now y'all know the inside workings of Pastor Mike. There's always something. I do want to say so much thanks to Blanche. Uh, what a wonderful message she shared. Yes, it's personal. Amen. And uh, I'll be looking for Dave and Blanche to do that dance in their seat, you know, whoever gets that seat. And also, I do blame Paul for continuing to encourage people. Uh, but what a powerful message and powerful testimony. I really enjoyed just how she unpacked the Word of God for us and also incorporated her amazing story of God's grace. And so that ties right into our message, Can I Get a Witness? Because each one of us are witness for Christ. Each one of us have had some experience in God touching us in a unique way. And nobody can tell you that your story isn't your story. They can say, oh, it didn't happen that way. He said, were you there? Because I was, right? And that's the power of a story. So over the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to take the time to unpack these four different stories. And they're four unique stories, four very different stories and they, they, they intertwine, but they are from different perspectives. And today, the first message that we're going to talk about is the eyewitness story as we unpack a traitor, what it means to be a traitor. Then the next week, we're going to talk about a follower, what a follower looks like when you take up Christ's cross. Then we're going to talk about a thief, and then we're going to talk about an enemy. And we're going to talk about how all of those still have a, a wonderful story, a powerful story, but I think we'll see ourselves in these stories. And so as we look at this most infamous traitor in history, some people think it was Brutus, but it wasn't. It was Judas Iscariot, the greatest traitor known in human history. And, and the word betray literally means to lead astray to deliver an enemy to treachery, or to fail or desert someone, especially in a time of need. The root word literally comes from uh, the word traitor, which is defined as one who betrays another's trust. Everybody says trust. And is false to an obligation or duty. And so as we look at this, we understand the struggle. And I don't know if you've ever been betrayed. But boy, when you've been betrayed, there is something that happens in the soul. And, uh, and, and, and the most difficult reality about betrayal is the betrayer is usually a trusted friend. Because how could they betray you if they weren't? 
the kind of behavior uh, from an outsider wouldn't carry the deep inner pain that comes with betrayal. History, of course, we know about uh, uh, Judas uh, uh, Iscariot. We know about uh, Caesar and Brutus, you know, Etu Brutai, where he also joined in. You know about the, uh, the freedom fighter turned traitor, Benedict Arnold. We know these people's names because of what they did. And in this case, today we're talking about Judas Iscariot and Jesus Christ. Judas had literally chosen to betray Jesus even though Jesus had chosen him. Jesus chose him to be in his inner circle. Jesus chose him to be one of his closest friends. There were thousands of people that would have wanted Judas's spot. Thousands that would have wanted his spot. And so, so, so you think about it, Jesus empowered Judas to carry out his life mission. He empowered him to carry out his life mission. He gave Judas purpose. Think about that. Judas was an advocate for Jesus, taking his message around the land. And oftentimes we see those similarities in people who betray us. Many times uh, we think that they are our advocates or we have been their advocate or we have been their companion and we helped them out and we gave them the benefit of the doubt. I remember one of the greatest times I had just gotten saved. And when you're, when you're just got saved, you're usually not well behaved. You know what I'm saying? You get saved and, you know, God's working on you. And there's still a lot of, there was still a lot of uh, Wilmington Mike in Mike, right? And one of the guys who had done our family wrong multiple times, um, he calls me from jail and he has no place to go. And he calls me and he says, hey, man, I got no place to go. Um, would you, would you pick me up from jail? I'm like, dude, really? But then Jesus, of course, you remember Jesus and, uh, and I'm new to the faith, but I'm like, I got it. I got, this is my chance to do something good. I've done a lot of bad. Maybe I'll do something good. So I pick the dude up. I bring him. I let him live in my house. I let him stay in my place. Uh, I was single at the time. And, uh, and, uh, so I bring him over there and I help him get situated. I give him a place to stay, uh, make sure he has food to eat and all those things. Well, the dude was a thief. He'd always been a thief. And this dude ripped off a pet store. I'm just going to let it sink in. A pet store. He had a cockatoo, a 12-foot boa constrictor, and a caiman in a small bedroom that I had no idea about. I really didn't. I, all I did was work and go to church. I, mean, I was in church all the time. When I got saved, I knew I needed to be in church because I could not be well behaved. So I needed to be in church all the time around church people, you know? So the cops come to my door, and this is the first time I'm not scared of the cops because I've been in, you know, I've, I've had my fair share, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, cops knock on my door, and I'm a little salty about it. He, the cop opens the door, and he says, uh, you know, uh, we hear that uh, there was a pet store robbed, and, and uh, you're going to get some pets, uh, and you probably have some. So I said, you can search my house. There ain't nothing in my house. I, for the first time, I felt confident. I'm like, Jesus has saved me. You can search my house. Cop comes walking out with a cockatoo. And another cop's like, there's a 12-foot snake in your room. I was like, what? 
It's in the bed, wrapped up under the comforter. I was like, hey, that ain't mine, man. <laughs> you know, ain't nobody believing that. That ain't mine, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I wish this, I wish this story wasn't, wasn't true, but it's really true. And I told the cops, I said, listen, man, I t- I'm just as shocked as you, bro. You know, I'm like, come on, man. And he, he's like, you know what, just by your reaction alone, I, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I said, man, you can call my pastor, Pastor Joe Register. He'll tell you I've been living right for about four months. You know what I'm saying? I've been living right for about four months. I ain't done nothing. I ain't stole nothing, done nothing to nobody in about four months. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was four months good, man. I mean, that, that, that's got to count for something, right? But you know what? My pastor, he vouched for me because I'd been there. I was doing everything, and he vouched for me. And he said, he said officer, this young man has been in my church. He hasn't done any of those things. And, and, uh, and so luckily... Uh, they ended up, they ended up believing me and they ended up, uh, this, so this guy goes off and he disappears. Obviously wouldn't come back there cause I was saved, but not quite that saved. Cause if he would have showed up, he might've got hurt. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so, so then what happens is time flashes forward and I met my wife and we're getting ready to get married and it's it's a couple days before our wedding and I'm driving in Dade City got old Dade City right and this cop pulls me over because he said I rolled through the stop sign which evidently I have a problem with um, <laughs> just ask officer Novak in in Passagrill you know <laughs> He's got me more than once. I'm like, bro, come on, man. Lorena's like, it's the rock back, boy. You got to rock back. I'm like, so some things don't change 27 years later, and I'm still rolling, right? So this cop takes me, gets me out of the car. At first, I'm like, again, cop stopped me. No big deal. I hand him my license. I'm like, do whatever you need. The car is legal, everything, right? He comes out, sir, you need to get out of the vehicle. I'm like, oh, hey, Got the wrong dude. So he throws me across the hood of the car, right? Gets ready to put cuffs on me. And I'm like, hey, 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 whoa, what's going on here? He's like, you uh, have an outstanding warrant in Lakeland for public intoxication. And I'm like, no, I don't. I ain't had a drink. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to convince him I'm good, right? And, uh, and so I said, sir, it, there has to be a mistake. And he's holding me down. I said, well, you just at least ask for the description of the person. And they con- so he says, he goes to the car. He says, don't move. I'm lay- still laying on the car in front of Dade City, and it's a small town, right? <laughs> and he goes over there, and, the, and the, it turns out the dude was 5'8". Uh, and at that point, I weighed 189 pounds. The dude weighed 240 pounds, and he was short with a, uh, a brown crew cut and a ruddy complexion. And, I came, and he came back, and I was like, I'm 6'3", 189 pounds, blonde hair. And so, again, it turns out that same guy who left me holding the bag had turned my name in when he got arrested for public intoxication. I got popped twice by the cops for the same dude, you know? Talk about feeling betrayed. And then when he came back to town, I saw him. He stole my knife collection. 
So then his, his dad and him showed up. He drove all the way back down from Delaware, showed up in Florida. And I was out there. This is true. Listen, the Lord knows what's true and what's not. I'm not even making this stuff up. I'm outside and I'm chopping wood for the Royal Rangers, so I got an axe. And this guy shows up with his dad. I'm like, you would definitely need grace, right? And he's like, he's like, hey, Mike. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh, nope, 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 nope. So I told his dad, I said, listen, here's the bottom line. Um, if I ever see your son's face again, I am going to, I said, Wilmington Mike still lives, and he knows what I have done. He lived in my same neighborhood, and what I will do to him, he will never, ever, ever forget. And then he's like, okay, man, we just want to get a few things. I said, you ain't getting nothing from my house. You're going to get in the car and you're going to leave and you're going to drive out of this state because if I ever see your face again, I don't know if I can hold back because of all the things you've done to me. So he left and I ain't never seen his face again. Thank you, Jesus, right? Now, 27 years later, I might not do anything bad to him. But anyway, <laughs> dude almost ruined my wedding. He almost ruined all those things. But the struggle is, is that when you get betrayed by someone you help, it's the hardest feeling in the world. I mean, you did nothing but love them. And all they did was turn and cause pain to you. And that's a tough situation. That's a tough experience to find yourself in. And the truth of the matter is, is when someone betrays you that you're trying to help, you, you, you understand the quote, God defend me from my friends, from my enemies, I can defend myself. I'm going to read that again. God, defend me from my friends, because from my enemies, I can defend myself. And so as we begin our investigation today into this betrayal, what, uh, what we have to keep in mind is Judas Iscariot, he walked, he ate, he slept, he traveled, and he ministered with Jesus for three years. These guys had grown to be friends. You could dare to say brothers. And so the question is, what would cause a brother to betray a brother? And I think that this morning we need to hear from Judas Iscariot himself. Listen, I got to be truthful with you. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. Some guys came up to me and they said, you know him, you know Jesus. Well, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Well, I guess I could have refused, but anyone who knows me knows my weakness for cold, hard cash. Besides, I didn't think it would hurt anything. I mean, you have to understand my perspective where I'm coming from. You know, I've been with this guy for three, three and a half years. And all he talks about is setting up his kingdom. I figure it's not going to happen anytime soon. I mean, the Romans control the city. The chief priests control the local government. They keep everything in check. I figured maybe I could hurry it along. So Jesus keeps talking about setting up his kingdom. He's got the 12 of us to run the operations. And he's got a following you would not believe. I mean, he's got 
thousands upon thousands following him. If you don't believe, try feeding him. We did. It was hard. He's got people on all sides that would fight for him. He's got Samaritans. He's got Jews. You name them, he's got them. So yeah, I, I took the money. And I sold him down the river. If that's what you'd say. I figured he would forgive me. I figured maybe he would thank me for speeding things along. But then things changed. I led the mob up to where Jesus and the others were. And they arrested him. Peter had the right idea. He grabbed a store and started swinging. And I thought, yeah, it's time. Let's get this rumble started, start this revolution. But then Jesus interrupted, and he gave up. He just gave up. You know, I should have figured as much, but I thought for sure he might jump at the chance, you know? And then things went from bad to worse. I found out that they weren't just going to throw him in jail and rough him up for a couple of days. They were going to kill him. They were going to kill him. So I went right up there. And I said, look, this isn't right. This isn't what we planned. I hollered. I screamed. I even begged. I took the money, I threw it back in their face. Imagine me throwing money back. I said, this wasn't supposed to be. You tricked me. You took your money back. But they wouldn't listen to me. They had what they wanted. They got to Jesus the only way they could, through one of his closest and most trusted friends. Me. I was there in the crowd when Pilate offered the people the choice between a murderer named Barabbas and Jesus. And I thought, this is my second chance. This is Jesus' second chance. I thought for sure they would pick Jesus. And if they didn't, I thought maybe they would riot and take him back by force. But they chose Barabbas. When I saw him, I couldn't believe my eyes. I could not believe my eyes. How could they do this? To him. Him, the most loving, gentle person that I'd ever met. They had beaten him so badly I hardly recognized him. I tried to say... Jesus, I'm sorry, but the words wouldn't come out. I just stood there, silent and ashamed of what I had done. I saw what happened when they tried to take him the first time. He just spoke one word, and they all fell down. Why didn't he do anything? Why didn't he help himself? You know, Jesus, we were supposed to start our kingdom. 
We were, you were supposed to rule. Rule Jerusalem. Kick the Romans out. Set straight the Sanhedrin. What happened next is too hard to even explain. They beat him like a dog. He didn't even say a word. They strapped him to a cross after they stripped him naked and made him carry it. I could barely watch. I knew it was because of what I did, my actions, that caused all this. My betrayal, my greed. I made myself watch. They nailed him to that cross. And they hung him there to die. I thought I was helping, but I wasn't helping. This was all because of me. I heard people insulting him. I heard one man say, maybe his God will save him. I thought, this is, my, this is his last chance. Maybe God will save him. After all, he's, he's his only son. But there was no answer from heaven. My heart ached. When I heard him cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I could almost swear I heard him say, Judas, Judas, why have you done this? Then they took a spear and they stuck it in his side to hurry things along. I said, please, please, no more, no more. And I heard him cry, it's done. And he hung his head, and he died. And everything went black. So did my heart. I thought, I just killed my best friend. I just killed the only person to ever give me a second chance. I just killed the Son of God. I made out of beat him. I may not have crucified him, but my actions, my sin, is why he hung on that cross. Jesus, why? Why didn't you fight back? Why didn't you rally the troops? Why didn't you save yourself? You were supposed to start your kingdom. We were supposed to rule together. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do it my way? Now I got nowhere to go. I have no one to turn to. The only person I would turn to is dead. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jesus. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. As we hear from Judas, you hear the story. Didn't do it my way. Didn't do it. I wish he'd have done it my way. You see, 
the truth of the matter is we all have fatal flaws. But the first betrayal, the first betrayal is we betray ourselves. And that's where Judas did the very first thing he betrayed. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why was this perfume sold and, and the money not given to the and the money given to the poor? Was it worth a year's wages? He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was ever put in it. You see, guys, the first struggle in our relationship with God is this, is we betray ourselves. We start to convince ourselves that it's okay. We start to convince ourselves that God understands. We start to convince ourselves we know better than God. That betrayal right there, think about it. Think about it. Right in the midst of all of that, numerous people had, had come. Numerous people had identified Jesus. Even the Samaritan woman who Judas referenced, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? He saw the miracles. He saw the 5,000. Judas convinced himself and betrayed himself first. And that's just how you and I are. We justify our behavior. Betrayal is made possible when we betray ourselves. Betrayal just doesn't happen. People don't cheat on their spouse on a whim. They've been thinking about it for a long time. They've been looking for those opportunities. People don't steal for the first time. They've been thinking about how to get away with it before they ever do it. Betrayal comes at precise moments. The precise moment was when Jesus is when Judas took that money. The night when, when he went to the chief priests, that, that last chance at the Last Supper when God said, Some, the one who dips his hand in the bowl, and then he told Judas, go and do what you must do and do it quickly. That night in the garden when he says to Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Because that was the identifying factor because these folks, they had to know exactly who Jesus was. We realize the capacity to betray. And, and Leonardo da Vinci, you know, he famous, painted the famous Last Supper. And you know, when he first painted it, he painted Judas as his worst enemy. He knew a, a man and he hated that man. So he, he, he made the face look like him. But he couldn't sleep that night. So that night he woke up, he went back, and he painted the face of Judas to have his features. Because he understood the motivation, and we all struggle with greed. We all struggle with self. We all struggle with personal gain. Judas played a game that cost him his very soul. We have to be careful not to betray ourselves today. The first and most fatal betrayal is we betray ourselves. And we betray ourselves when we give up and when we give in. That's when we, the second betrayal is we betray others we betray others. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? And I ask you in your own life, what deal are you willing to make with the devil? What deal are you willing to make with another human being? What are you willing to give me if I sell out Jesus? If I betray Jesus, what will you give me? Will you give me money? Will you give me sex? Will you give me power? Whatever it is, what are you willing to give me that I can sell you Jesus? 
That's the question. So they counted him out 30 pieces of silver. Then from then on, Judas, look at this. From then on, Judas watched for the opportunity to hand him over. From that point forward, Judas now was looking for the opportunity to sell them out. I pray today that we aren't looking for the opportunity to sell out Jesus. I pray we're not walking around saying, oh, but if somebody offers me this, then I'm in. You see, notice that in the text, it's important to notice that the chief priest approached Judas and, and then he approached them and he went to the chief priest and says, what will you give me? His self-worth was gone. He had already betrayed himself. And when you've already betrayed yourself, betraying others is no problem. Once we betray ourselves, we have nothing less left to lose. It's interesting that that betrayal doesn't stop. We hear never trust a cheater, right? We always hear that the great predict predictor of future behavior is past behavior. The only one who can help you is Jesus. And as we heard from that monologue, Judas said, the only guy who could have helped me is gone. And he never got to know that Jesus was resurrected. He ended his own life before he ever knew the resurrection took place. But you and I... We know the resurrection took place. So who will help you? Jesus. That's the hope that we have. That's the peace that we have. That's the trust that we have. That's the good news. Those statements that, that, are, that I just made a minute ago, they don't have to be true because 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Everybody say new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Judas didn't know that, but you and I do. What will we do with that information? You see, Judas allowed his relationship with Jesus to grow stale. I'm going to say that again in the church. Jesus allowed his relationship with the Judas allowed his relationship with Jesus to grow stale. When your relationship with Jesus starts to grow stale, you're willing to sell him out for anything. Judas became focused on the cares of this world and he lost sight of the kingdom because he was looking for an empire. Judas betrayed himself, and then he betrayed his most trusted and loyal friend. Jesus knew that one would betray him, one of his closest friends. Jesus knew that an enemy can't betray you, but a friend, they can. And Jesus, in Matthew 12, 26, he says, when, and, and when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. But what I found interesting is the disciples, if you read the text, if you read the Gospels, they start knowing they have a capacity to do it. And they say, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I, Lord? Because the first time you and I say, not us, is the time you open yourself up. You see, Judas had, uh, had already betrayed Jesus in his heart for personal gain. And that opened the door. The heart is wicked above all things. And in Luke 20, uh, 22, it says, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, the one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. Betrayal enables our enemies to go where they could never go on their own. I'm going to say that again. Betrayal enables our enemies to go where they could never go on their own, do what they could never do on their own, and hurt more than they could ever hurt 
on their own. When you and I betray Jesus, when you and I betray others, we open the door for our enemy to do irreparable damage. But the truth of the matter is the ultimate betrayal is when we betray God. When we betray God, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And a man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? You see, Judas walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw the teaching. He knew that Jesus was God. He knew He was the Son of God. They worshipped Him in the boat. Truly you are the Son of God in Matthew 14, 33. And then Jesus warned them not to tell anyone that He was the Christ. Matthew 16, 20. Judas knew who Jesus was. Not only was he his friend, but he was also the son of God. Judas had betrayed himself. Judas had betrayed his friends. But ultimately, Judas betrayed God. And when Judas said, I was sinned, it was not. Listen to me. Hear me. There's a big difference between repentance and remorse. He was not repentant. He was remorseful. Remorseful that he got caught. Remorseful that it didn't go his way. Not repentant, but remorseful. And there's a difference between you and I feeling remorseful for your sin because you got caught and repentant saying you don't want to do it anymore. And that's where, that's where Judas finds himself. It was, it was condemnation that he felt and not conviction. He realized he betrayed God. And betrayal is one of the darkest times in our life. When, Jesus, when, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he, he was seized with remorse. Everybody say remorse. Didn't say repentance, did it? No. And returned the 30 coins of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. That was Matthew 27. He, he wanted to give them back, but guess what they said? We ain't taking that because that's blood money. We ain't taking your money back because that's blood money. They knew. You see... Who is sin ultimately against? It's against God. That's who it's ultimately against. Psalm 51 uh, verses 3 through 5 says, I have sinned against the Lord, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. I ask you and you only, I have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Judas said, I've sinned, but there was no turning to God. Ju Judas knew Jesus was right, but he was just remorseful that it didn't go his way. So where does that leave you and I today? Where does that leave you and I? Can we learn from Judas's betrayal? There was another man who turned his back on Jesus that very night, but that man was repentant. His name was Peter, and he was restored by the grace of God, Judas had remorse. Peter had repentance. Judas could have received the same benefit. The answer that we look for is forgiveness and restoration. You see, there are two very different stories and two very different outcomes. The question I ask you and I today is, which one are we? Which one are we? Where do we fit? 
Have you been seeking to betray yourself? Has there been times in your life in recent history where, where you find yourself and, you, and you, you're starting to justify your behaviors? You're starting to, to justify things that the Bible clearly states are wrong. And you betray yourself. Are, are you finding yourself betraying others? Trying to say you're one thing but realizing that you're not. But they believe you are, but you're only fooling yourself. Or have you betrayed God? Have you betrayed God? Because now you know who Jesus is and you've experienced his miracles for your very own self. And yet you'll sell him out for whatever it is they're offering. Money, sex, power, you name it. And Jesus is on the chopping block for that. And Hebrews says that we re-crucify Christ all over again when we give people a reason to bring shame upon the name of Jesus. Now we've talked about some serious things today. And before, before I could rush out of here, there's a simple song that I want to play. And I just want you to think about your relationship with God. I want you to think about your relationship with others. I want you to think about your relationship with yourself. And as this song plays, the lyrics are going to come up on the screen. And all I'm going to ask is you give it your undivided attention. Listen to me right now. There's a thousand things that want to distract you. There's a thousand things that want to distract you. An extra three minutes in church is not going to kill you. But it could save you. But it could save you. But it could save you. So listen to these. I put the lyrics up on purpose because I want you to hear it. And then I'm going to come back and give you the opportunity to come into right relationship with Jesus or to reestablish your relationship with Jesus. 